Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Akarja, welcome once again to the Irish NFL show. Uh, I'm Mark Cockrell, and I'm joined by uh, the erstwhile Brian O'Leary tonight. Brian, good evening to you. Good evening, Mark. As you can see in the background, the lights are on. Yeah, Christmas has arrived in the uh, O'Leary household. Uh, probably a little bit ahead of schedule. Haven't even gone past Thanksgiving, which we're going to preview this evening in terms of the three games. But uh, when you've got young children, you know yourself. I, I drew the line that it's not going up before Thanksgiving, to which my wife pointed out that the toy show's tomorrow night, so it's going up tomorrow. So I get I got a day reprieve, Brian. So I hear I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Um we uh we're down a couple this evening. Um we hope to hear from uh, our erstwhile reporter on the ground in Minnesota, actually, Colin Cronin, who's going to the game there tomorrow night, the uh primetime uh Thanksgiving night game between the Vikings and the Patriots. But in the first instance, Brian, you're quite right. We're going to you know, be talking about the three Thanksgiving games. Before we get on to that, there was a small game played on Monday night. We haven't necessarily had our Monday night football breakdown. So we might as well touch on that game between the 49ers and the Kyler Murray-less Colt McCoy-led Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, it played out essentially as, uh, for a change, all four of us made the, the one selection. We were all on the same page in terms of we felt it would be a, a convincing win for the 49ers and, and that it was um started off a little bit sluggish but he got going and i think you know by the middle of the tour quarter i think the game was essentially wrapped up dr garoppolo was quite impressive in this game i felt it would be mccaffrey that would lead them to the victory but in fairness to garoppolo got plenty of time and as i know colin has his concerns about him come playoff time but during the regular season give him time with the players at his disposal the 49ers are a dangerous team you know, we've you touched on it. You called them out to be the NFC uh, NFC team within the Super Bowl come February. Um, so I guess there's a possibility you now that they're now sitting on top of the division at six and four. They play the Saints this weekend, which is a very winnable game. Bear in mind the current plight in which the Saints are in. Uh, but for Grappolo, I was impressed. Two hundred twenty-nine yards, four touchdowns. Good to see Kittle getting back back in on the action. You know, he's such been a real strong player for them over the past few years. This year, he's kind of revert back to more of a blocking tight end, so it's good to see him get out. And McCaffrey only had 37 yards, uh, sorry, 39 yards rushing in the game, 67 in receptions, which is a great attribute to have in terms of a running back to be able to add that to the team. But it was very convincing against a Cards team that we felt they were you know, going in the wrong direction. Um, the last game played on the international series this year in terms of the three in the UK, obviously the German game and now the Mexico game, looked like a great, great evening for the, the people that were at the game. Um, but again, this is a big one for a big divisional win for the 49ers. They're going in the right direction. Yeah, George Kittle turning up in his luchador Mexican wrestling mask as well for the evening, which was uh, quite entertaining. And there's a few memes going around about how suave Jimmy G was uh, showing up to the game. Um, Jimmy GQ, uh, as some like to call him. Um, you're right. We said it beforehand. Two teams potentially going in a little bit of an opposite direction. 49ers growing a bit of confidence, growing a bit of hope. Cardinals, especially with Murray being injured, uh, unfortunately heading uh, to a very disappointing season. And surely Cliff Kingsbury, when we talk about, you know, there's been a lot of talk that this might be a uh, a seminal year in terms of coaching turnover. Um, head coach-wise, uh, Cliff Kingsbury is certainly going to be in question, especially with the news uh, breaking today as well about his offensive line coach and running game consultant being fired uh, for some impropriety uh, in Mexico. Um, so, you know, that doesn't bode well in terms of the, you know, the buck stops with the head coach as well. So his responsibility ultimately in, in relation to that uh, equally also. So look, um, great win for the 49ers. They're home in the right direction. Hopefully they can gel it all with their amazing talents, with Samuel, with Kittle, et cetera, in due course. But now we go live to Minnesota. Hello, hello the shore. Colin Cronin joining the show. How are you doing, Colin? Very well, Mark. Uh, yeah, from the, uh, the uh, properly up in the boonies here in uh, in Minnesota. But just to, to give uh, people a, a view, I don't know if people can actually see the lake effect and the, the snow that is uh, up here. Uh, so it'll be um, the snow that'll be welcoming the Patriots, obviously, tomorrow. But uh, the in a dome game, I don't think that is going to make uh, any difference. Uh, I heard uh, just before I came on, you were talking about the the cards and all the talk over here certainly at the moment is around sean payton and 
It apparently is the cards or the chargers that Sean is uh, interested in. Uh, obviously, uh, one to, to keep an eye on. But yeah, it has been uh, interesting uh, to be kind of following it uh, on this time zone. It seems to be the week for, um, what would you say, consequences perhaps with uh, Melvin Gordon getting cut from the Broncos, with uh, Zach Wilson now not, not just dropping uh, to QB2, but to QB3 and how that might play out. And obviously Davis Mills getting uh, benched as well. So uh, lots of uh, change as always in the NFL. That's, that's right. And we were just talking before uh, the show started. Henderson, I think, Brian, you were saying, has also been cut as well and picked up by the Jags. Yeah, I suppose it's a surprising one because everybody felt Akers was the one that would be released, having been taken out of picture recently and then brought back in. But uh, yeah, they've released him and quickly picked up by the Jags. And uh, maybe not a surprise because they didn't need a backup to, uh, Saint, uh, to Etienne, who was. Um, being their marquee number one running back this year, but obviously they need someone to kind of support time, I suppose as the games progress, in particular with their playing the Ravens this weekend. Absolutely. And Colm, if, if if I was Sean Payton and you give me the choice, I would just say I will take Justin Herbert over Kyler Murray. Thanks very much and appreciate all the fish. Um now, Colin, we're going to, we, as we said, we're on tonight to a quick preview of the three key Thanksgiving shows. And I know you're under time pressure there in the US. So let's do them in reverse order and focus on the game that you are, as you said, going to tomorrow night and all the snow, albeit in a lovely dome controlled scenario. Assuming, of course, the roof doesn't collapse in in Minnesota, as has happened in the past. Um, Let's talk about the Vikings and the Patriots first off then and give it to you, give you the conch as it were to break it down, especially what you're hearing about locally there in Minnesota and what you're looking forward to seeing in the game specifically. Yeah, a lot of people, I suppose, here, I mean, it's been interesting because um, the on the way over going through U.S. Customs, uh, the the guy made sure uh, to, uh, to have a chuckle at Russell Wilson and stopped off in New York and the waiter had a joke at Russell Wilson's expense. Um, and I was saying um, that a, a lot of people I met in Denver in the lead up to, to Sunday were talking about you know, they've no interest anymore. They're, they're kind of done with watching a boring football team, which that should be terrifying to, to the franchise. The Vikings uh, up here in, in Minnesota, people are very surprised at how it's gone thus far and uh, kind, of, kind of obviously disappointed with um, the, the weekend. But a feeling, and I get it, that maybe coming off the back of kind of the emotional win that the previous week in overtime, um, and that essentially, you know, the, the feeling is this will be huge. If the, the Vikings can bounce back then and show, you know, that last week was, um, you know, an anomaly as such and they can move on from this. But if um, Bill Belichick and the Patriots were to do a number on the Vikings, this could really, you know, perhaps begin to see that the wheels come off. They're so far ahead in the division. It, it's probably not going to impact on that, but what it would mean, I suppose, for a, a deep playoff run. So that that is kind of the, the feeling here. And I have no doubt that Bill Belichick will be relishing the fact that he has ruined uh, the Jets week. I thought what was very interesting was his comment, not just like, and this was before the, the news about Wilson came out, but the fact that they used the bye week to get ahead on uh, now maybe that was bill just you know throwing yet another barb towards the the jets but to use the bye week to look ahead to get uh, a head start on the vikings that was quite quite something and um look i think tomorrow night's going to be really interesting because you have got um you know kirk cousins under under lights uh, he needs to prove it. This has been Kirk Cousins' big problem is in prime time, he has not showed up. And can he do that to, tomorrow night and get the Vikings back on track? If they respond, um, then, you know, I, while I, I think people here I really do temper down expectations, we've seen in the past, and you only have to go back to the Bucs uh, for a team who, you know, went on to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if the Vikings are going to do that, but in terms of a deep playoff run, you can lose a game by 30 points during the season and still make a deep playoff run. I, I, I'm interested to see how, how the Patriots' offense plays in this game because um, there was some really good, strong uh, drives last week against the Jets, which is 
all kind of taken away by the fact that in terms of the manner how the game played there was key sacks for the Jets on at certain critical times in those drives but in fairness to Mac Jones one of his better games no interception 23 of 27 246 yards he went up and down the field for large parts of the game just didn't punch it in Stevenson had another good game defensively they were really sound again against okay we've seen what's happened today with, with Wilson now being dropped for the game on Sunday for the Jets um, you know with Mike White going to be stepping into playing this game but the Patriots you know you, you look at it and do they match up and can they can this Vikings offense get back to what they've been doing which was playing very expansive offense Cook had scored five touchdowns in his last six games before last week this defense for the Patriots I think bearing in mind the result that last weekend as Collins su- suggested you can expect a reaction from the Vikings team I think the Patriots defense will have to be really up for it tomorrow night in which is a very difficult game on the road yeah, two, two quick things. One is um, we're talking about Zach Wilson a couple of times there, obviously being dropped. Another bit of news we should have called out. Um, Sam Darnold's going to start for the Panthers at the weekend. So as one Jets protege kind of falls off, another maybe rise again. No, it's the Panthers. They're not rising uh, again. But I can uh, see the, I can see the nervousness in Colin's face already. Apparently, <laughs> they're playing the Broncos. Yeah, well, at least he's going to get a chance. So that would be um, and good luck to the the, the still very uh, young man, shall we say. Um, I, I did. I did mention that. I did ask on the show over the last few weeks. How many more changes will the Panthers have at QB? And they may not be finished yet. I think. Do you know? I think the Cards won you when they were absolutely thwarted by injuries. Um, had five starters at QB in a season. Maybe the Panthers are going for the record. Maybe. Maybe that's their 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 ultimate goal or aim in relation to this. I also wanted to mention, of course, the Irish NFL show is, as always, presented in association with our partners at Cassidy Travel. So if you're thinking of a Thanksgiving trip like Column is on maybe for next year or even a trip on the playoffs, check out their NFL packages in relation to it. Um, do you know, it's funny, Colin, you're going to be freezing your little tush off for most of your time there in Minnesota, except hopefully when you're in the Dome watching the game and enjoying that scenario. And this Minnesota offense is absolutely designed in many respects for great dome play. Um, They want good conditions because they want their passing offense to hum, to use and leverage the great talents, of course, of Justin Jefferson and Thielen. There are no superlatives this season that can do proper justice to Justice Jefferson, uh, Justice Jefferson, Justin Jefferson. Um, All right. Yes, Tyreek Hill has more yards. But Jefferson has stepped up more times, not least, of course, in that Bills game, but in other times for his team when they really need it. And when they really need him, when you really want it, we know where Kirk Cousins is looking and who he's going to. It's funny you call out Mac Jones's stat line from last week, Brian. It almost sounds like a Kirk Cousins stat line. Great completion percentage, seems good in yards, but actually didn't put the ball in the end zone once. And the Patriots' red zone struggles are notable. They are 31st out of 32nd in terms of red zone offensive uh, completion, in terms of turning them into touchdowns. The good news for the Patriots is they go up against a Minnesota team who has allowed 20 touchdowns on 28 red zone trips of their uh, opponents. So is this the opportunity for the Patriots' red zone offense to suddenly come back to life against the wrong defense to face off against it? Um I like the Patriots' defense. They've been a subtle surprise this year. I think they're going to take uh, advantage when Kirk Cousins puts the ball up, and it could be one of those Kirk Cousins horror shows where he just makes a few too bad uh, decision, uh, makes a few bad decisions, compounds the error, and you end up with two or three interceptions against him. This is for me a real case uh, of uh, McCrown August McCree, my head or my heart in relation to it. The head, based on all the records thus far, does suggest the Vikings should win this, especially at home. But looking at, as I called out, the negative point differential on the show on Monday, and my heart, I think, is going to take over. And for illogical reasons, I will pick and go with the Patriots to come through in this particular game. Um Two of you boys, sorry, you did call out. You're both on the Vikings, am I right? Or had you actually called out your no, team? I, yeah, I, I, I am on the, the Vikings. I think um, they, they, will, they will bounce back in what I expect to be a, a very competitive game. 
And uh, I just think they, they'll probably have a little bit too much on offense and score a few too many points for um, the, the Patriots. But equally, I, I'm not going to be shocked <clears throat> if, as you say, Mark, you know, Kirk Cousins uh, does have uh, one of those nights and uh, Bill Belichick, Matthew Judon and the Patriots can take advantage. We're, we're talking about this offense rebounding after only scoring three points against the Cowboys last weekend. We've got to see a bounce back from this defense as well, which for large parts of the season, has done really well. Uh, I expect the defence to have a better game tomorrow night and put Mac Jones under pressure. And I also am selecting the Vikings to bounce back, Mark, unfortunately, for, for your troubles. Um, hey, I, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, Michael is also taking the Vikings, so I appreciate I'm the lone wolf in this one. But I'm also going to appreciate, and we didn't call out, this is a great Thanksgiving slate of games for NFL fans. At the weekend on Sunday, we were only one game between two teams with winning records, the Bengals and the Titans. Whereas on Thanksgiving, we've two games between teams with winning records. And then the third game has the Bills against the three-win streak Detroit Lions. So, hey, it's just joy for us all in terms of Thanksgiving. Um, Colin, you're going to have to fit your Thanksgiving dinner in around all the myriad of football and won't have to stay up till 20 past one in the morning for this game. I, of course, will be, uh, given the game and the team involved. Um, but uh, really hope you have a great day tomorrow. Uh, enjoy all the football on order. And, and as you say, the I know you've been over before in this scenario, but the American experience around Thanksgiving is is pretty special as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks, uh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, looking forward to, to that. And uh, just very quickly before I, I drop, something I became aware of that's been happening and I, I, I just wasn't aware of it. There is a guy on uh, Twitter who started this video series about um, whether um, Russell Wilson had thrown more touchdowns than he had bathrooms in his house. He is now on week 11. The guy looks absolutely drained. He never thought he'd have to keep this going this long. I'm not sure how long, how much longer he'll have to keep it going. But um, yeah, Russell Wilson to this point still has more bathrooms in his house than uh, touchdown passes thrown for the Broncos. 12, so, sorry, is I'm 12, really 12. confused. Is the, well, is the guy 12, going that... to the toilet or something? What the hell? He's just, he's just saying he still has more bathrooms. What? Huh? More bathrooms than touchdown passes. Um, Anyway, gents, uh, enjoy enjoy the state of games uh, tomorrow and uh, look forward to catching up with you when I get back next week. Safe travels, Colin. Enjoy it and stay travel home. Take care of yourself. Brian, you were seeing my confusion. I have no, I mean, I knew, I had no idea what he was talking about for a second there. So uh, I'll explain it because I have seen it. So uh, this guy comes on, I don't know if it's TikTok or Twitter or whatever platform he's using and each week he actually comes up and says today this season Russell Wilson has thrown X amount of touchdowns and he has 12 bathrooms in his house and he wants to get to the stage where he goes beyond the 12 bathrooms so he can drop off from doing it but unfortunately with the poor season in which they're having he's continuously having to come on every Monday I think he's up to seven he didn't throw a touchdown on the weekend it was a touchdown by uh, so he's more, more, it's more the constant depression for him in saying that. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he will get there. Well, maybe not this season, but he might get there towards the back end. Jesus he's Christ, I hope, I hope he gets uh, this season for, for his Seven, I think, is the number right now, if I'm correct, fusion boy, what he put up today. I believe he said seven as opposed to the, to the 12 bathrooms. Okay. Look, everybody needs a bathroom. I'm not sure if everybody needs 12 bathrooms, but heaven ever. There you go. Okay. Well, you learn something new every day, as they say. And look, um, talking about learning something new, I, I'm going to save, the, in your mind, Brian, the best till last, or maybe the worst till last, depending on how the game goes. But before we get to the Cowboys and the Giants, uh, which is one of those two games with uh, two teams with winning records, we should uh, talk about the Bills and the Lions. Fred, I'm sure, will have some comments on the Cowboys if we go through it. But the Bills versus Lions, and as I say, Brian, I set it up there, the Bills, still with a winning record, still in control somewhat of the AFC East, albeit very competitive AFC East, level with Dolphins at 7-3, Jets and Patriots at 6-4. And, and if you told a Bills fan at the start of the season, lads, you're going to win a game in Detroit this year, they would have looked at the schedule, seen they're away on Thanksgiving and gone, grand, of course we're going to win a game in Detroit because we're playing Detroit and Detroit. If you now told them you're only going to win one game in Detroit, they would be very, very disappointed because that would indicate they're going to lose this Sunday. Um, familiar surroundings from last week, um, but they are going up against a resurgent 
Detroit Lions, who are overcoming. They surprised us at the start of the season. They dropped off. They were surging a little bit more. They're getting good player, Jared Goff. They're looking very exciting on offense. And Superman Dan Campbell, um, the 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 mean, the, the, the yeah, I mean, the ex-player, he, he looks like a mean uh, man to deal with, I'm sure, at the best of times, but he is the dude, is he's got these players playing hard for him. They played hard for him last year. They're playing hard for him this year. Can they pull off a surprise on Thanksgiving in Detroit, which I know all of those fans there in Michigan would love to see? Genuinely turn on this game. And it's mad to think that we're, we're suggesting that because when the schedule comes out and you look at the Thanksgiving game and you know the Lions are at home, you look to see who they're playing in terms of who's going to go in and beat them on Thanksgiving because that's normally the case, I think. I can't recall the last time the Lions played on Thanksgiving and they were genuinely competitive. You know, and it's great to see, as, you know, as a neutral who, who's loves the NFL and seen the Lions team, let's be fair, go through a lot of difficult years. It is great to see them rebounding and they're exciting to watch. We spoke about earlier in the season, the amount of points they were putting up offensively and it was a struggle to the defence and let's not get away from the fact where this defence is, you know, let's not have it clouded by last week's very strong performance. That They're 34th in the league for a reason. They're, uh, sorry, 34th against the run, you know, they're 32nd worst uh, defence in the league. But they have played very well over the past three weeks in the games in which they won. They, you know, the Packers, People felt it was more against the Packers uh, as how the Packers playing throughout the course of the season. But they only allowed nine points in that game against the Packers. They did a great job in the Giants last week. And the, the week in between that with the other win, I can't recall who that game was against, actually. But um, again, the fact that they've pulled off three wins in a row, it, it escapes me. I knew it didn't know, but it's escaped me at the moment. Um, but last week as well, like we've seen players from Williams who came in from Green Bay and he was really good and strong on, on hard knocks at the start of the season in terms of seems to be one of the kind of leaders within the team. Uh, uh, Swift, he, lo- he actually do, they tailed off a little bit when Swift out inj- went off injured during the season. He's come back, they've got it back together. Last week was a big day for them rushing, over 160 yards, first game Williams ever had three touchdowns. There's other players, like we've seen Aiden Hutchinson, like yeah, people were saying he was a slow starter, he wasn't getting the sacks, he was only getting the pressure on the quarterback. When were the sacks going to come? He's had two interceptions in, in critical situations in games so far. The one in, in the red zone against the Packers and last week when the Giants were driving, when the Giants were leading and essentially in a position maybe to go further ahead in the game. So that was significant. He seems to be coming around and finding his feet. Amani saying, Brown, they've got the players there, like offensively and defensively, to put it all together. And if they win this game, genuinely, they're in, they're in with a shot of the wild card. Like, the wild card slot is f- four defeats. They, they've got six defeats if they were to win this. They're two out. Who knows how this weekend would go. So, and then there'd be four wins in a row, and the momentum continues to build. The Bills needed that win last week, I felt, against the Browns. Like, everybody felt they would win once the game was taken out of, uh, out of Buffalo with the adverse weather conditions. And they got it together. You know, Josh Allen had one of his better games. Didn't rush as much, only had eight yards rushing. But they did commit to, to the run last week, and Singletary had his best game of the season. 85 yards. Do you want to pick now? Or do you want, do you want to take it? No, I want, yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to get your pick and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. I will pick Bills, but I genuinely I would not be surprised if the Lions pulled, pulled it off. We've seen this Bills team lose games now. This team that we felt having won in Kansas City earlier in the season, that was week five. Everybody mm-hmm. felt favourite for the Super Bowl, number one seed, inevitable to be number one seed of the, the FC. Doesn't look like that's going to materialise the way the Chiefs are playing at the moment. And they had two difficult losses against uh, the Minnesota game, and obviously we prior to that against the Jets. Um, I go Bills, but I really am genuinely. I could see this being a no, close no, game. I I, see I, and I can see your logic in relation to it, and and the, the challenges, and that's why I say it, like they are resurgent side in yeah. relation to it. Um, I had to check it myself, but I thought it was it was the Chicago Bears was the other yeah. team they beat on this. But they were down fourteen points in the fourth quarter in that game, and they found yeah. a way to win. That's again shows the measure of a team that's. Hungry, committed to the head coach, aren't going to give up. And well, they won't and, give up and, this I game. mean, look, they, they were all over the Giants last week, and they get the game, the win against uh, Green Bay wasn't as pretty, but it was a stiffening of the defense, of course, um, very notably so. And a game against uh, someone you would say who has a hoodoo over them, so they break that hoodoo voodoo. And you know, I, I'm excited for the bill for the Bills for the Lions for next year. Actually, I I do see and think it's inevitable they upgrade a quarterback. Uh, in relation to things, and uh, that might even help them take on the net, go to the next level as well. Thank you, Owen, for the call out in relation to Shark. And you're absolutely right. And they need those weapons, they need those options uh, for Goth um, to be able to to explore. 
the the reality for me is when I still look, and yes, the Bills have had their injuries this year. When I look at that Bills defense, though, um, they are still a formidable unit. Yes, they have not played up to their potential, especially not in the losses they've suffered this game. And they're still waiting on really getting up to full strength again. But the reality is they they have the the players. It's like, you know, the $6 million man. They have the technology. They can rebuild you. They can take over a game. And I do worry still that Jared Goff at times can turn Cinderella. And we just mentioned about Kirk Cousins under the bright lights. Sorry, I'm, I'm more worried about Jared Goff under the bright lights than I am than Kirk Cousins. Um, for me personally, the Bills, if it was the first half against Cleveland, the first half against Cleveland, it still looked like they were going to sleepwalk into another loss. Um, it was it was not consistent at all. And finally, for the first time, you would say arguably for the Bills in two and a half games, they got to halftime, they got into the second half and kicked it back into gear. The defense started clicking. The offense absolutely started clicking. But you're right to call out the lack of rushing from Josh Allen. We did talk about it a little bit briefly, but it does change and they have somewhat, it seems, changed their game plans. They are very much featuring Singletary in the run game. They're not putting Josh Allen at risk as much, it seems, in terms of their play calling and committing him to the run. He's also quite obviously not scrambling as much. But that does remove a very potent and irritating, in many respects, sense of their offense. Uh, you can say the same thing a little bit around Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson this year. They both have seen less mobile. So that takes a large part of their arsenal away because the most annoying thing about Aaron Rodgers is when you've covered all the receivers that you can find with pinpoint accuracy and he somehow then scrambles on third and six, third and seven. That's a big part of Josh Allen's game in terms of his mobility at quarterback as well. So when it comes to all of those aspects, um, yes, I see the troubles and the struggles the Bills are going through. Yes, I have full credit for the lines and how they're turning it around because it did look bad for a period of time. It looked like they were going to fall off a cliff and be crash landing. Um, but for me personally, it's a big game on Thanksgiving. Yes, the lines are home. Yes, they'll be pumped. It's going to be tight for a half. Uh, the lines are going to have a chance in the third quarter. The Bills defense will stiffen and then the offense will step up and put it away. It's not going to be a Thanksgiving blowout, but the Bills will win by more than a touchdown, in my view, when all is said and done. Do you, um, do you see it as a high-scoring game? I do, uh, because Thanksgiving games often are high-scoring games, yeah. maybe because of the defense is asleep, especially in Detroit. Um, um, and we said it, like, the Detroit Lions offense is an exciting offense. It's like the red zone offense, like the Falcons are putting points on the ball this year. And especially in a year where the unders are hitting at an exponential rate and net scoring is down. There are a few teams, and the Lions are one of them, that do still put points on the board. And the other end, they they give, they giveth and receiveth, if you like. They are they are definitely open on defense. So for that reason, yeah, yeah. I think this is probably, in my mind, the highest scoring game of the 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 slate. Uh, but it's this, reflective of the number. It's reflective of the total number, which is fifty four points. That's the expectation that we're going to hit over fifty four. So you're looking at a thirty twenty seven type of game. Or, you know, go. give or take, many. There you go. We know yeah. Bills Mafia, there's a good few Bills, uh, Buffalo Bills and other Bills fans over here in Ireland. You'll be pleased to know that Colm and Michael also concur with us. So we have a full slate of unanimous views from the Irish NFL show that the Bills will be the victorious this Thanksgiving. Um, before we move on, we'll go to a couple of questions and comments here. Owen Brian, I'll put this to you first. I'd rather trade for a quarterback then go for a first round pick. We've played or we've played our way down the pecking order to get an immediate upgrade on Goff. Now, great point. They're going to be obviously drafting lower in the slots, given the fact that they've won a few games now. How do you see that? And what's your view on it? And Vettid, who would you trade for in that regard with that first round pick? Well, the Lions have two first round picks next year, but uh, again, it kind of still reflective of the, where that second pick is, and it's a Vikings pick. So the Vikings, the way they're going, are going to be, well, well, give or take 26 to 22 depending on yeah, yeah. where their season ends so it is a difficult one and it's kind of noted as a number of teams in the league like I, I would have said at the start of the season Giants for example now they play themselves in that situation as well um, where do they go for this quarterback This is I know there's always a surprise come the off season a quarterback's release that we don't expect and let's be fair Jimmy Garoppolo won't be in San Francisco next year I'd be stunned if he's there and he is the obvious candidate for teams to go for him free agency I, uh, there seems to be a lot of talk that 
it's the Jets. The Jets have that uh, relationship with Salah and the floor was in, in San Francisco. It makes sense. They have a similar type of offense. Garoppolo would, he knows the division. He's played, he's been at the page. It, it just makes so much sense for him to be at the Jets next year. So I would take him out of the picture. But again, I could be wrong, but I just don't know where the lines would go. But, you know, and maybe it is unfortunately a situation where they might just have to run it back with Goff for another year and see where they're at. Yeah, no, maybe it is. Um, and there are always surprises in relation to it, purely because I just want to call some AFC North uh, angst uh, in relation as uh, AFC, NFC North angst in relation to it. Um, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers seem to be falling out quite um, vociferously. Can you imagine if he ever pulled a Brett Favre and went to a divisional rival? Um, that would certainly uh, put the cat amongst the pigeons. Um, the reality is, oh, and I don't necessarily disagree, if they're picking too low to have a meaningful impact at quarterback, they may have to consider uh, a trade or they may have to consider going for uh, an existing quarterback. But is it and how much of an upgrade is it is always the key question. Obviously, you go back to quarterback drafts ago, you're picking up Justin Fields. Um, Fields went at 11, I think, to Chicago, wasn't it? Um, Mac Jones went to the Patriots at 15. You can reserve your views on Mac Jones and Justin Fields if you like, but they are picking up what they consider to be their franchise quarterbacks of the future later in the draft. Albeit, again, seminal draft, the only one since uh, there have only been three drafts, 83, 2011, and that draft, I think, if I remember correctly, have had five quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Uh, however, there's a good few quarterbacks coming out in the draft. We'll see how it all transpires. Um, but like the way you're thinking, of course, a number of teams made drafts or changes for quarterbacks this year. We can look at the Geno Smith experiment in Seattle that's come off so strongly and so well. And then you compare it to the Baker Mayfield experiment down in the Carolina Panthers and go, well, actually, it goes uh, a horrible direction alternatively as well. Um, Jimmy G could be an interesting one uh, in relation to it. Okay, Brian, let's pull up any other questions we've got in the hopper there. Yeah, this kind of probably reflective of where we're going with the next game, the, the NFC East clash tomorrow between the seven and three Giants and the seven and three Cowboys. But uh, Fred has been in touch, and this game seems to be the OB, OBJ bowl, as a lot of people are, are suggesting that the winner of this also wins the, the rights to have him for the remainder of the season. Fred is uh, suggesting it's uh, getting Ronaldo ish in terms of how he's <laughs> playing it out, which I found quite uh, amusing. Um, I would actually tend to agree with Fred on this one. I think it's. He's playing both sides. Um, I don't know if you picked up on the weekend. He was one minute he was tweeting about the Giants, and then the following hour, once the Cowboys game was on, he was tweeting about the Cowboys. And there's a lot of attention. Attention seems to be going on. Um, followed you, up with. Are you suggesting OBJ is attention seeking? What? What? I'm, I'm Brian, shock, horror. That is news and surprise to me. It's biggest diva in the bloody nfl but yes uh, um, owners 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 touched on it as well he's followed up and saying uh he'd be a good fit look um well look, look to... at it this way all right i'll take this one first like obj has to prove his fit first like he has to prove his fit he has to prove he can make and contribute a difference he is coming off serious knee surgery for the second time in his career if not more he had something minor early in his career remember as well so it is not as though he is a young buck and he's destined to come back uh, the same player he was. I, If I'm being truly neutral and analyzing this, if he joined the Giants, even at 80% of where he was last year, I think he instantly becomes your WR1. He is an upgrade on that. And that's a reflection on the troubles with Tony, the troubles with Golladay, and different scenarios that have not planned out as New York probably planned at the start of the season. If he joins Dallas, it actually could be a better position for him. Because bear in mind, last year with the Rams, he was extremely effective. He looked fantastic in the Super Bowl because, frankly, he was getting uh, singled up while Cup was drawing all the attention. So you want a scenario where there are other receiving threats that can take the pressure away. And if you're comparing that scenario, Dallas is inherently more attractive uh, in that regard. Equally, it's a much more of a not quite a pass first offense they're pretty balanced but they are going to pass the ball probably a lot more than new york are going to lean upon saquon and that running game in the first instance but you know the the guys hit it on the head a lot i mean is it all about will they won't they what's going to happen with odb i mean the amount of noise and media speculation around it all i'm i'm very much on the boat of kind of going okay number one let's see if the guy's healthy first and foremost number two let the teams have a look at him and see is he going to actually add something but the idea that someone might 
make a move for him for belief that it will take him over the top. I, yeah, why not? Why not give a flyer on him, especially if your passing game is ineffective and you feel that he is healthy? Um, go for it. Go for it. Um, I think, yeah, look, it seems to be general consensus that's down to the Giants and the Cowboys. Where, I, where I'd say it very differently is I think the Cowboys will sign him no matter what the circumstances are of the injury. I think they will they will feel that they're in a position that they're in a win-now type of situation similar to what the Rams had. Um, last year and they will make a move and they'll sign him no matter how he comes out of the medical and even if they give him some kind of practice session where with the Giants I think the Giants would like the Giants didn't make any moves on on the trade deadline when everybody felt they would for the wide receiver because I still think Joe Shane is working on the basis this is not a winnable season and things have gone a lot better than plans and we're not going to mortgage the future because essentially he is looking for a long term. He did an interview recently where he said, I'm looking for a long term deal here. This is not me like last year going to the Rams for the remainder of the season with an opportunity to potentially go to the Super Bowl. It's me looking to get a two or three year deal somewhere, proving I'm fit and proving I'm ready. And I think if the Giants see any reason as to why he's not ready, they won't do the deal. Um Yeah. I, I was hearing you there. I thought Joe Shane was talking about looking for a long term deal and then I was like, Oh no, you're talking about OBJ yeah. Yeah. talking. Uh, and uh, well Sterling Shepard has come out today and said he wants to go to the Giants. He and he, he's by all accounts counts his best buddy, but again, who knows? Who knows? I think well, I mean, inevitably look at it look at it this way. If you want an historical precept, of course, uh very different scenario, but Jerry Jones loving taking uh, primetime Deion Sanders uh, from the 49ers. I love taking Terrell Owens from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, taking a star player from a, 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 a rival is not beyond him or unusual in that regard um, in, in relation to it. So uh, definitely uh, up to it. Owens line, probably, Giants probably have no notion only saying it to up his price on Dallas. Love it, it's, love it, it's love not, it. It's not, a, it's not a bad show. In fairness, I, I've seen that being suggested as well, that he's going to find, you know, they'll use the narrative that he's been offered X, Y, Z in New York and the Cowboys, the Cowboys are going to pay. I, I imagine the Cowboys will pay whatever. I'm not, I, I don't buy into this thing that they're saying whoever wins this game gets OBJ. I don't buy into that at all. It, it, whoever loses this game at the weekend, well, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult not, well, and to be honest, I think we both know who's going to lose this game. Um, I think it'll be the Giants. We'll come to that in a second. But um, just Giants. Giants well, uh, pick there a little bit, everybody. But yeah, no, whoever we'll... loses this game still has a lot to play for. So I don't think OBJ would say, "Okay, this team is a better opportunity to go to playoffs. I'm going to go to them." I think he'll do what's right for him. But I still think it's the Cowboys. I think it's always been the Cowboys. I think he wants to have that star on the star helmet. And um, I heard. Uh, Someone said today, I, I hate that it's true, but every player wants to play for the Cowboys. That's what, what a former NFC East player said. So I found that quite interesting. Um, but we'll see. We could be surprised. Do you, do you know? Do you know? Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's untrue at all. And Jerry, in fairness, you can criticize him for a lot of things. Have done a lot to create that mystique. Does a lot for ex-players to set them up in the Dallas area and kind of give them the the whole spiel and the talk track about what it means to be a Dallas Cowboy and the opportunities great post, um, uh, uh, post playing career. And, um, yeah, I think that's true. I look for a while, New England Patriots used to have because people wanted to play with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and see what it was like there. I missed that last comment. Was that you're smiling? So I'm, I'm just, was some Dion was a danger changer park on both sides, but he absolutely was still look, Oh, I'm not saying I was part of his generation. I was too much of a kid, but they were the you know he was one of the the greatest uh, players of all time. I mean, he was in the NFL. 100 amazing cornerback, amazing uh, punt returner. I particularly liked Fred his time with the 49ers. I thought he played really well there. Uh, to be honest with you, um, so uh, I'm just waiting for Fred's response on that one. Um, anyway. Brian, we kind of tipped the cap a little bit, but we should get on to that um, Giants and Chargers game. And to close out, actually, just the Ronaldo comparisons to the last word on OBJ, um, Ronaldo's noise this week about him turning down a $305 million deal to a Saudi club during the summer. You ever wanted a point of, like, I'm still worth it and you should still pay me money? You know, uh, it's, it's funny how that noise only leaks now. And he's trying to set a price or get a price for a different environment, different scenario. We'll move on past that because I know you've been a Man United fan. It hurts dearly. 
and me being an Arsenal fan and being top of the table, I mean, I'm sure you don't want to talk about soccer, so it's okay. We won't, we won't, we won't go there, Brian. Talk about the Glazers selling up if you want. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about the Giants and the Cowboys, and um, and yeah, look, two teams that you know are playing great stuff. There was a lot of doubts about the Cowboys at the start of the season with some of the uh, losses in personnel. They have definitely made up for it. They've still made some confusing decisions at times. Uh, we criticised quite rightly, I think, a couple of weeks ago, not putting Parsons on the edge, putting him back at linebacker and making him severely ineffective and leaving him somewhat on an island. They are coming off a tonking, and there is no other word, thumping, tonking, destruction, annihilation, all, all adjectives are appropriate, of the Minnesota Vikings, 40-3. Uh, um it was the the biggest win since uh, Goliath's giant mates finally called up to David uh, and gave him a kick in afterwards. Um, and the Giants, of course, are coming off a bit like the season is above expectations, Brian, but they are coming off their most disappointing performance of the season. Uh, a quite comprehensive loss in the, the same token to the Detroit Lions, who are very much uh, value for the win. With the Giants heading in one direction at the moment and the Cowboys heading in the other with that defense clicking and the offense very much um, starting to get back up to speed again. They seem to get the right balance between Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. I don't mean to dump on you. I don't want you to go into depression here. I don't want to send you over the edge in relation to it. I noticed the Giants gear isn't on you today. So I do worry about your mental well-being, my friend. But... Uh, how do you feel this game is going to go and uh, how many points are the Cowboys going to win by? <laughs> yeah, I know. It certainly has that feel about it. It has that feel about it all week because um, you wouldn't think this was two seven and three teams going to this game the way in which the media have spoke about this game all week. And I can totally understand that Cowboys are coming off their biggest road win in NFL history. Um, they're making all sorts of records. It was the first time two weeks ago in which... They played 195 games in their career and they never lost a game where they went into a fourth quarter, 14 points up. They had a negative uh, stat and then last week they had a great stat in terms of their, first, their highest ever row in NFL history for the Cowboys. The Giants, it's just like you look at the players. That are, I, I, look, I wrote these down yesterday, Mark, and it's even got worse since, but I'm going to call them out anyway. Evan Neal, the rookie first rounder, he's out. Ujulari, he's been out for quite some time. Uh, Wondell Robinson, second round pick, did his ACL last Sunday. Good wide receiver, been playing quite well. McKinney broke his hand a few weeks ago on the bye week. Uh, Mon Monroe, cornerback, played really well this season, took him in from the Falcons last year. He's out. Dory Jackson, our best cornerback, out. Injured on a punt return last week, gone for four to five weeks. Bellinger, tight end, hasn't come back from the eye injury a few weeks ago. Feliciano, offensive line centre, out. And then today, it's been confirmed that other guys within the offensive line are out. So right now, the only player of the starting offensive line that is available for tomorrow's game is Andrew Thomas, and he's since gone on the doubtful list because he is carrying an illness. And there seems to be a bug going around. In fairness, this bug genuinely seems to be going around the NFL because on the, the flip side, Michael Parsons is suffering from it and Demarcus Lawrence is also suffering from it. Maybe they won't be at 100%. For the Giants to pull off the shock, they ran the ball really well effectively against them in week three, despite the loss. Barkley had a great game. They have to rely on him and just find a way to keep him on the field, keep moving the clock, keep the Cowboys' offense off the field for as long as possible and try to grind this defense down. It's a big ask. I can't, genuinely, I can't say it. What I would say is, you don't want to look too far ahead, but the Giants play Washington in, in on Sunday week. And even if they had to lose this game, they're still in the wildcard position. And I looked at it today and people have talked about it. Effectively, they need three wins to get into a wildcard. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, there's a part of me that feels like this is one of those games that was always going to be... That's why last Sunday's defeat, to be honest, for the Giants' perspective was really disappointing because, like... You were putting a W beside it. You were thinking this is a game we should win. I, I wasn't putting a W beside it. I was, I was recognising that three wins are needed. Where's the best mm, opportunity sure. to get those three wins? A home game against the Lions. Um, going into Dallas on a Thursday night off a short week with all these injuries. It's very well, unrealistic. Brian, I, don't, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say, I think every fan does that a little bit. You look through the schedule and you look back, we should win that game. We, should, You know, oh, we might drop that game. That's a bit tricky. But there are definitely games you look at and you feel like we should win. And to me, earlier this season, the Patriots were getting on a bit of a roll. We're playing Bears on Monday night. I was thinking, that, you know, we should win this and this is going to put us in a great position. And Justin Fields decides to wake up and <laughs> Chicago Bears suddenly found out how to design an offense for him. And it goes in a completely different direction. That's part of the joy and the pain and the suffering of being a fan at the same token as well. But 
you know, I think you sum it up really well. The reality is, yes, if the giant, sorry, if the Cowboys front seven is compromised, then that potentially gives you uh, some hope, I would say. But the reality is they can't do their run fits as bad as they did two weeks ago. They can't, they're not going to make, repeat the same mistakes of the past. The fact they've played each other once and Dallas won that, and they know they'd have to shore up that running game defense a little bit further is probably a favoritism towards Dallas in that regard because they've seen the um, blocking schemes and patterns for the Giants, seen some attacks. And look, one thing this Dallas team is doing really well is rushing the passer. Uh, I think they've got five players who have four sacks or more. It's certainly been the spreading love, albeit Micah obviously is uh, the standout performer. So the idea that they can exploit or attack a makeshift offensive line or a patched up offensive line um, is the thing that would give me particular concern if I was a Giants fan in that regard. Because if the O-line's not performing, then you're not getting the running game going. You're putting it all on Daniel Jones' shoulders to potentially throw under pressure. And whilst he's stepped up in a lot of circumstances this season, that is not a scenario that is positive for you. By contrast, until last week, that Giants defense is good, but it's remarkable when you break it down and go through it. They were living off getting people off the field on third down and almost a bend don't break. Like people get into the red zone, they'll get they'll get field goals rather than touchdowns. And in many respects, there's always an argument: is that sustainable? Because it was like people were churning up the field, they were getting down, but they would get a stop or they would get a turnover. And in fairness, they were generating some turnovers in relation to it. Um, whereas last week it was a kind of case of almost like that's the first time they didn't generate those game changes and therefore um, naturally the, the result is very different. Against this Cowboys offense um, who don't really need to put it in the air as much but when they do they've got Dak Prescott, they've got CeeDee Lamb, they've got talent all around um, in relation to it but most importantly they don't even have to put it in the air because uh, that much or in an unsafe facility because Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott uh, are a great one-two punch. They probably, Fred saying there, the one-two punch will open up the passing game. Um, they probably, I think, in the last few weeks, or certainly last week in particular, seemed like they got the balance right. Zeke coming in on the goal line, Tony Pollard obviously having a career game in the receiving game, but the balance right in terms of how to leverage the two of them. There's been a lot of talk that the Dallas Cowboys running backs coach coming out early in the season and say, oh, you know, Tony Pollard can't have more than 25 carries or 25 touches a game because then his production falls off. And people pointing out, well, actually, if you look at the games in which he did have more than 25, his production increases. But they balance and give each other flexibility there, whereas the Giants are so reliant on Saquon. Uh, Saquon Barkley called out on Monday, as you know. Um, he rushed 35 times against the Texans and things like that. That Those tires, I mean, Matt Breida comes in for a snap or two. But uh, the, the mile on those tyres is not good and is not sustainable um, in relation to it. Now, any given Sunday, Giants get a couple of turnovers. Prescott on the offence starts to feel the pressure at home on Thanksgiving, national, nationwide TV audience. Um, hasn't been a, hasn't, been, hasn't, been, hasn't been a good spot for them over the last few years on Thanksgiving. It, it hasn't. It hasn't, but I feel like, I mean, Jerry Jones has gone from we have a problem two weeks ago to mm, this two team could go and win the Super Bowl. It's definitely got Super Bowl connotations on it. And wide open NFC this year. Let's let's be, let's call it a spade a spade. It is an absolutely wide open NFC this year. So um, I don't discount that. Be the first time since 1995. Um, and that was when Ronaldo, was, no, it wasn't when Ronaldo was born. I was just trying to be facetious. Um, it's when Prime was playing, when Dion was playing. There you go. Um, but uh, yeah, I can't. I'm. I can't see past them, Brian. I mean, the Giants are worthwhile of their seven three record. You are what your record says they are. You, they, they they are. But this seems designed for the Cowboys to prove it. And who knows? Maybe they lay the proverbial goose egg on Thanksgiving. Turkey egg wouldn't really work. Goose egg. Um, but I am going. For the Cowboys to win, I know you've said already you're going for the Cowboys to win, and you will be delighted, uh, Exira and Delira, to note, Brian, that Colm and Michael are also in favour of the Cowboys taking. Gives me, gives me hope. It gives me hope, Mark. So the the for those of you keeping track at home, the the Irish NFL shows unanimous curse has been applied now against the Bills and against the Cowboys, and only uh, the. Um, 
inner workings of my mechanical heart are stopping us going unanimous on the Vikings to beat the Patriots, which I'm probably going to be proved wrong on, but uh, sure. I want to give you boys a chance in the picks league. That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, Brian, before, as I said, sorry, I should say for the benefit of everyone else, we will be sharing our picks for the rest of the Sunday games, obviously a decent slate on Sunday, uh, during uh, on Twitter on our graphic uh, and or uh, uh, on a tweet uh, later in the week. Uh, so we'll make sure to get that out for the weekend so you can – Hold us all to appropriate judgment or a proporium when we go against your team and are proved subsequently uh, wrong. Anything else on the comments there, Brian, just before we wrap up from the guys? Fred, give me a yeah. Owen came back in just saying that if the Giants can't stop Williams and Swift, they won't be stopping Zeke and Pollard. Um, I would challenge that because um, every game is different in the NFL and every combination is different. And Giants have held their own in, in, against the run for quite a lot of the season against other teams which I felt had better running backs I'd say Jones and, and AJ Gillen for example in London so um, sometimes when you have a bad game against against particular running backs you're, you find yourself rebounding very well the following week but um, it's, a, it's a hard it's a hard ask let's be fair it's it's a hard ask and I think Owen has a point in fairness um, and then and then Fred is in with a let, let's go Cowboys I think we'll leave that one off the screen we've, we've, we've <laughs> Well, look, it's one of the greatest weeks for NFL fans. You've got a great slate of games on a Thursday, doubled up on the Sunday, and then still Monday night football to look forward to as well. So if your team's on a bye, if your team's playing, just enjoy. Hopefully, some of you, some of you watching, obviously, in the US, uh, enjoy Thanksgiving and the special time with your families. And for all of you in Ireland, um, take the day off. Try to maybe... Cancel a few of those meetings on the Friday morning. Enjoy a, a beverage or two and have a good night enjoying all of the NFL action. Uh, Brian, it's just uh, time to say Ihoa, and we'll see, uh, see everybody on Monday night, uh, probably coming to you about half nine, ten o'clock. We'll figure out the time shortly as a wrap-up of the weekend's action and, of course, all the reaction to even the Thursday night Thanksgiving games as well. That's great. You're saying goodbye? Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>